This is your host, Dr. Mesima Shabazz. Hello, everyone. Good afternoon, and I'm very, very happy to be here with you once again. This is a special episode that I wanted to record to introduce myself to you. I know I've been recording the Women of Power and Grace conversations for a while now, but I haven't had the opportunity or chance to introduce myself to you and why I do this work. Now I have an autobiography titled Sankofa Learning from Hindsight. And I'll put the link in the bio section and notes of this podcast. And so I won't go into detail, but some of the things I'm going to share with you will give you an insight as to who I am and why I do this work. I come from Ghana and my father's tribe, the Akan tribe, posit that Senyami Mayaria Kawa or Sancho Muedro, if God allows illness to befall you, she also shows you the medicine for the cure. The saying is an affirmation of faith in the omnipresent God, Nyami. And since no one blames Nyami for any misfortunes, the Akans believe that the all-encompassing providence of God assures healing and transformation. And I bear this testimony and truth. I've always known that I was psychically adept, even at a very young age. And although I cannot state exactly when it started, I became intimately aware that my grandmother and mother paid attention to what I had to say as a young child. I often felt that my opinion was sought nonchalantly on every important or very important matters, I should say, almost to diffuse the weight I carried. I was provided all the protection I needed by my family to function as a child with responsibilities. And a responsibility in this contest means that I reiterated messages from the spirit world, and this role can be burdensome. When I started boarding school just before age 11, I was intrinsically aware that the environment will not support this way of being. And I subconsciously drifted into a cloud that covered my spiritual identity. In middle girls boarding school, all the faculty and staff were Ghanaians, but they had learned the European colonizers way so well that they cruelly administered the same European style of punishment for minor infractions, like speaking in the vernacular tongue instead of English. The separation from family, to me, was the most cruel form of breaking one's spirit. Because when one was in crisis, the forced distance from loved ones often felt like abandonment. Next, in the boarding school environment, in high school, we had an all-white faculty. They purposefully ignored everything we learned while growing up, and no one could ask the how-tos in regards to honoring and remembering our traditional ways to support healing 
from our woundedness. As individuals, our pain and suffering often begin so young that we are not able to connect to the root of the evil that caused the disequilibrium. And this leads to suffering through many years of adulthood. Emerging from this place of abandonment, and I put abandonment in quotes, I did not have the opportunity or options to remember through other traditional initiation processes that would have enabled me to reconnect to my intuition. My life just moved on into adulthood and I was left to carry unwanted and undefined loads of emotional pain. As outlined in my autobiography, Sankofa Learning from Hindsight, published in 2006, everything in my life up until my illness at age 40 sprouted from living in that cloud. My attitude about life, my belief structure, and my responses to the environment at large. It has been exactly, I want to say 27 or so years, since my first major illness, a debilitating back injury that sparked me into a new reality and awakening. Prior to my back surgery in 1995, the only time I had been at the hospital was to deliver my daughter. My life had been full of adventure, traveling, and living on four continents, in Africa, Europe, South America, and North America, respectively. My journeys took me far and wide, always connecting me deeply to the people, culture, and traditions of the lands in which I lived. These privileges afforded me a certain lifestyle, which made me focus on a blossoming career but all this came crashing down with my injury. I lost the independence I valued so much. I was in danger of losing the possessions I relied on for my self-work. When I looked inward for spiritual strength I had known as a child, I found that I had replaced it with self-reliance. In anguish, anger, and confusion, I cried out to great spirit, Nananyami. And the message I received was clear. If I hoped to heal, I would have to go back and fetch the story and gifts I have spent my whole life forgetting. As I surrendered to this new reality, I was humbled by its death and wisdom. A spiritual path revealed itself to me and propelled me towards universal consciousness. Teachers and friends appeared seemingly out of nowhere, blessing me with support, strength, and inspiration. Simple, yet awe-inspiring answers and guidance came to me through my dreams. My life was back in balance spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and physically. My new line of work and studies were manifested instinctively and the state of being content, joyful, peaceful, and abundant continued for many years. This beautiful splendor was effortless because everything in my life was spirit-driven. The work I was doing on the spiritual plane was intuitively guided, and I received several initiations in my dreams 
which afforded me a new understanding of what my role is in this universe. I remember some of these spectacular initiations as if they happened yesterday. My familiarity with the lower, middle, and upper worlds enhanced my understanding of multidimensional ways of being, and it became second nature to live that way. With time, my self-induced fears about lack of external recognition made me re-enter the workforce. I was hired as a minority fellow at one of the local community colleges here in Connecticut. And after a year's fellowship, I applied for and was given a permanent position as assistant director of admissions. Within a few months in that position, my mentor and director, the late Walter Clark, surprisingly decided to resign from that position. And I was encouraged to apply for that position. I hesitantly did so, thinking deep down that my professional career at the college had not been long enough to gain another promotion. That was an, an erroneous assumption. Within eight months of my position as assistant director, I was promoted to the position of director of admissions. I had now a formal position as an administrator, director at an institution of higher education while simultaneously maintaining my spiritual practice. Unfortunately, this duality exposed me to harsh realities I had never fathomed existed. The challenges I endured came from individuals in my new environment whose actions towards others presented a different reality, which contradicted everything I know. The confrontations were extremely severe. And the more I engaged those low energies to set things right, the more difficult the challenges in my life became. I saw such great injustice around me that I erroneously took on the burden of writing it. As Charles Fillmore notes in Christian Healing, the science of being, that is a long, circuitous route and many weary years of waiting. What I did not recognize was that my actions provided a forceful distraction to my calling, which consequently made me seriously ill. I suffered a transient ischemic attack, commonly known as a stroke, and I felt I was imploding. I also experienced cognitive impairments and many physical challenges. In summary, this condition presented the most challenging issues to overcome on many levels that I had ever experienced. At the onset of this second illness in February 2008, I noted I was in the cusp of death. My visit to the doctors earlier that afternoon was traumatic, and he gave me the care I needed to get through the critical moment. That night in my sleep, I felt I was journeying into a mass of darkness, or what I believe is called the void. 
I floated for what seemed an eternity. But but fortunately for me, there was no place to go. And I returned into my body. I deeply felt that it was not time yet to die. When I awoke that morning, I was inherently aware that I had to change course in my approach to healing. For several months, I saw different health practitioners, including a doctor of osteopathy, a physical therapist, a massage therapist, an acupuncturist, and a spiritual healer. This was a time when I intuitively felt that a collaborative effort in selecting biomedical and alternative healing modalities will strike a good balance. And it did. Firstly, how to work on eliminating the toxic state of consciousness I was experiencing. At my core, I knew that I, I had come to terms with my spiritual gifts and power, and I said who I, I was as a practitioner of shamanism and more. Over the years, I danced around the spiritual work and calling, and I had taken courses and other trainings to help me explain what I knew and could do, but no explanation was necessary anymore. I recognized that the, the deterioration of my health on so many levels was in essence spiritual not physical. I had tried to resolve spiritual problems in an earthly manner, and I allowed this low energy to engulf me for a full cycle of seven years. That was how long I had stayed in my first position as director of admissions. Then I transferred into another position as director of academic initiatives for three more years. And while grateful for new opportunities. It was not a good fit. I had continually ignored my calling, and as life will have it, it is difficult to ignore some aspects of who we are indefinitely. The universe has a way of reintroducing what makes us whole, and diseases or disequilibrium emerge and manifest from the continued abeyance of our calling or gifts. I had a chance to step out of this trap, and I did so with strong understanding and resolve. I truly let go. I have noticed that even though I experienced tremendous suffering during this long period of disequilibrium, I also gained levels of intuition that are literally out of this world. I can only articulate the processes or the process as the heavens opening and feeling the flow of grace. In my language, we say Adam. I'm also wiser now. My spiritual growth, which included access to universal realms, seen and unseen, contact with the ancestors, encountering healing friends or guides in the spiritual realm, taking up my healing work again, and collaborative exchanges of knowledge with others has increased. And I know and now engage in my calling without any hesitation. I'm intrigued by the deliberately synchronized initiation ceremonies that I was endowed with then 
which reopened my intuitive knowing. The beauty of this gift that I have is that I'm called to heal. And sometimes I can do so without prior knowledge of the client. And I'm universally guided to transmit energy to help whoever my client is. I have a prayer that I recite quite often because I have accepted fully that as a person who taps into the universal energy consciously, healing is an integral part of any practice. I've also come to understand that our service to spirit or the universe, as well as our altruistic nature, is what makes us, is what makes us godlike. In this prayer, I ask that I enter fully into the wondrous light so I may bless humankind wherever I may be or go, and to become a great channel to heal, to bless, to prosper, and to enlighten. My perceptions are now simple. Firstly, I know that the universe provides more than adequate resources to treat diseases and support our well-being, however these are defined. In contrast to the biomedical system where money, policy, government, and access are defined by sociocultural, geopolitical, and socioeconomic issues of the day, our healing practices, which incorporate the divine and a host of natural elements in this dimension, are available to us at all times. The system I am familiar with calls on us as spiritual beings to accept more than what is visible and tangible. Faith plays a larger part of this process, and I attest to the unmediated healing modalities that flow to and from the universe. Yes, I let go of my title as administrator, and I have established my psycho-spiritual practice so I can embody my calling fully. This is a quantum leap of faith. Knowing that I fully embodied the archetype of the wounded healer, I search for the meaning behind the complete decimation of everything with which I was familiar. My career, my relationships, my finances, and my health. After all, this is the second time this has happened to me in a very significant way. And I was encouraged to search for the truth. Carolyn Miss, an expert on the topic of archetypes, explains in her book, Sacred Contracts. The wounded healer is initiated into the art of healing through some form of personal hardship. Anything from an actual physical injury or illness to the loss of all of one's earthly possessions. Regardless of the shape of the wound, the challenge inherent in this initiation process is that one is unable to turn to others for help beyond a certain degree of support. Only the initiate can ultimately heal the wound. If it is an illness or accident, it will frequently be one for which there's no conventional cure. The wounded healer, archetype, emerges in your psyche with a demand that you push yourself to a level of inner effort 
that becomes more a process of transformation than an attempt to heal an illness. If you have successfully completed the initiation, you inevitably experience an exceptional healing and a path of service seems to be divinely provided shortly after the initiation is complete. This statement is so profound and is exactly what I experienced. Henry Nowen, a priest, posits in The Wounded Healer that it is this wound that we are called to bind with more care and attention than others usually do. For a deep understanding of our own pain makes it possible for us to convert our weakness into strength and to offer our own experiences as a source of healing to those who are often lost in the darkness of their own misunderstood sufferings. The idea of a wounded healer may come across as a self-fulfilling conceit, but when centered on walking with the divine, it generates deep humility and compassion for self and others. I believe this intensely. Because the process of transformation is not meant to be a punishment. Rather, it is the presentation of a sacred gaze into the face of God, an act that is utterly life-changing. And I find that in order to be peaceful and joyful in life, I need to be rooted in spirit and love. My healing experiences as both a patient and as a practitioner, underscore the belief that the omnipresent, omnipotent God is the source of all things good. And consequently, healing in the spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical realms of well-being begins and ends with God. I had the ultimate opportunity and ability to pull this energetic resource into my life. And I live to share this truth. In my work with my clients, I see the distance between where they are and who they truly are. And I engage and protect them with my very soul. I end this introduction with a poem, I am a woman of power and grace. It is the empowered woman standing in the presence of her reality, face to face with a goddess in her, with immediate awareness of love, of truth, of joyfulness, of beauty and goodness. She has a complete awareness of self, illumined by her intuition, enlightened by her faith, queen of the earth, daughter of the Most High One. Thank you so much for listening, and I appreciate your comments and sharing of the messages that resonate with you or could help someone else. Please subscribe and support our channel. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and many blessings to all of you with much love. See you in a couple of weeks.